one more time at least. And I know we've been here and been here and been here, but boy, the Lord just, uh, you can never exhaust this book and there's always something brand new, even in the same place. And so let me give you a little preface before we read the scripture today and before you stand. And so I'm gonna talk to you about the subject you see on the screen. I'm gonna talk to you about this all day today. And uh, originally I had not planned on doing that. And so we're gonna make this part one, part two. Originally the, the introduction, which is what I'm gonna give you today, uh, became so lengthy and, and so important that I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't rush through, rush through the introduction. And so I'm gonna break it up into two parts today and I'll preach on the attributes of a right mind uh, this morning and then I'll give you part two tonight. So let me tell you what I'm uh, not worried, that's probably not the word, right word, but concerned about is that, and every one of you preachers know what I'm talking about, we love a message that'll preach, you know? And I guess you, maybe you gotta be a preacher to understand that, but just a message that'll preach. Man, sometimes we... we uh, we look at an outline and we think, man, that'll preach right there. And um, I'm not sure that this message is like that. Um, and so I don't know that this is going to get us swinging off the chandeliers or running the aisles today. But the more and more I look at this, the more and more I understand that we need this this morning. And our society needs it and our church needs it. And the, these, the things that I'm going to try to give you this morning are so important. They're just so important. And, uh, and so anyway, anyway, Mark chapter 5 in your Bibles, when you find your places, if you're able to stand, let's all stand this morning as we joyfully read the Word of God together today. Mark chapter number 5, we've been over this several times. I've preached several messages from this passage but we want to look at it once again today and uh, maybe from a little different light. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1, and we're going to read down through verse number 15. Verse 15 is our text. And so the Bible says in verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea uh, into the uh, country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come up out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains. We preached on that cycle, y'all remember that. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he, talking about the demon, and he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, gave them permission. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And will the powers of darkness ruin the economic system there in Gadara? Verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. I want you to really pay special close attention to verse 15. And the Bible says, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed. I love that. I love that past tense. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed. I'm so glad that I'm not what I used to be. Well, aren't you glad about that? We get to stop there and preach a little while, but aren't you glad you're not? Now, I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I want to be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion 
sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Well, this is interesting. And the Bible says, and they were afraid. They were afraid. And so just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about the attributes of a right mind. And we have wrong crossed out because we're going to camp out there all morning this morning. And I'm going to talk to you about a wrong mind. And then tonight, Lord willing, we'll talk to you about a right mind. And so you may be seated this morning. And uh, let's pray and ask God to help us with this thing. And, and uh, we'll give you a, a few thoughts today. Father, thank you for letting us be back at Calvary. And we thank you for this time. We're so privileged. We've already said that, but it's worth saying again because, Lord, we're so privileged to be here, to be a part of this. And I think about those brothers and sisters in Christ that live in places like North Korea and Saudi Arabia. And uh, I think about those Christians that live in Turkey. And, uh, Lord, I think about those Christians that live in upper Nigeria Lord, that are so oppressed, not able to, uh, Lord, not able to worship freely. Lord, today they're meeting in, a, in a, 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 a basement and the windows are darkened or they're meeting out in the forest somewhere and they'll not be able to baptize in a heated baptismal pool like we will tonight. No, Lord, they'll, they'll dig out a little hole in the, in the ground and they'll put a, a tarp and they'll let it fill up with rainwater and and that's where they'll baptize their converts. And yet here we are in America, my soul. How blessed we are. My goodness, how blessed we are. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we try to take just a few moments. We thank you for the music and preaching or the music and the choir and the uh, instrumentals and, and all the things that have happened today. We just thank you for that. But now, Lord, as we try to close the service with a few moments of preaching and teaching, I pray that you'll bless our efforts. Father, forgive me for anything in my life that could be a hindrance. And I pray you'll forgive us. Please cleanse us. And Lord, fill us now with the Holy Spirit. And I pray all that's done would bring honor and praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Why don't I have to tell you this? There's so much talk about the mind, the mind, M-I-N-D, the mind today. Defined, the word mind means the element or complex of elements in an individual that feels, perceives, thinks, wills, and especially reasons. It's that part of you that reasons about everything or feels or perceives And so many today are battling with the way they feel. We hear that all the time. Preacher, I just feel like you fill in the blank. A lot of folk are battling with the way they perceive different things in our society or our time or our culture. Many are battling with the way they think. Their thoughts are uh, confused. Their thoughts are messed up. Boy, I'm uh, I am uh, definitely burdened for our youth and our young people uh, because, bless their heart, and I, and I mean that too, bless their heart, they're so confused and they're being bombarded with uh, things on a, seem like a, a, a daily basis and sometimes, especially young people, they don't know what to think. They don't know how to feel about things. Many today and probably some in this room are battling with things like discouragement and depression, and confusion. And those things are deep-seated in the mind. Just to put it in some perspective for you today, we'll put some things up on the screen this morning. According to the National Alliance on Mental Health, one in five adults experienced some type of mental illness in 2019. And listen to this, and this caught my attention Mental illness and substance abuse disorders are involved in one out of every eight emergency room visits in America. One out of every eight people that visits an ER, it has something to do with either mind or the drugs that they're putting into their body. How about this one? 37% of adults 
incarcerated in the state and federal prison system have a diagnosed mental illness. Depression and anxiety disorders cost the global economy one trillion with a T. I don't even know how you figure out what a trillion is. Most of us can't even really figure out what a billion really, what a billion really is. And yet it's costing us one trillion in lost productivity each year. And this one right here, depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. Now, again, my, my point, the reason I'm putting those up there today is because I want us to understand that people are struggling with their minds. They're struggling with their minds. They're struggling with their thought life. And when I say thought life, I'm not talking about just lust, although that's a part of it. But I'm talking about in all kinds of different ways, in confusion and reasoning and perception, folks are struggling with their minds. And that's what we see here in Mark chapter 5. We see a man who, uh, before he met the Lord Jesus Christ, a man who is struggling with his mind. And I want to show you something, and this is not really what I'm preaching about, but I want to show you something that's really mind-blowing about this story in Mark chapter 5. I hope you still have your Bibles handy there. And the thing that I want to point out is this, and this was just interesting, that these people of Gadara were more afraid of a man who was in his right mind than someone who was totally out of their mind. Did y'all see that? Look at Mark chapter 5, verse number 15. The Bible says, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And you would think they would be saying, wow, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. We're excited for you. But the Bible says after they saw this man in his right mind, the Bible says they were afraid. While he was frantic and acting like a lunatic, they're just fine. Life goes right on. The economy is robust and they're just going on right on with their lives. But when this man gets straightened out, they're afraid. Now, I, I said that to say this, that this world is so mixed up that we're living in today that if we're not careful, they'll have people who are in their right mind believing that they're in their wrong mind. That's the truth. We're about as mixed up, brother, as a termite and a yo-yo today. I mean, it's like we don't, know, uh, we don't know which way is up, which way is down. We have college professors that are telling our kids that we live in a relative society and there is no rights and there are no wrongs and what's wrong for you may, be, may not be wrong for me and what's right for you may not be right for me and there is nobody in this whole world, in this whole United States that can tell you that something is absolutely wrong and something is absolutely right and I want to tell you something that that is absolute heresy because there are some absolute rights and there are some absolute wrongs and everything that we've grown up believing uh, in our culture is being challenged and it's being questioned on a daily basis marriage is being challenged and I'm not preaching on this and I'm not going to get bogged down here but just in case anybody's wondering, and I don't, I'm, 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 I'm not preaching this from a mean spirit today or anything like that, but I'm just here to tell you, folks, that marriage is between a man and a woman. By the way, we're not backing up on that. We're not making apologies for that. We're going to keep on preaching that. You say, well, preacher, you'll never run 5,000. We may never run 5,000. We may just run five, but by the grace of God, we're going to preach the word of God. But it's been questioned. Our kids are wondering, what's right? What, what, what's, what's wrong? Our sexuality has been questioned. Our democracy has been questioned. Our morals, our decency is being questioned. And by the way, the right answer is this, that Jesus is right for whatever's wrong in your life. And so here's a man that was completely out of his mind. He's completely out of his mind. And then he meets the Lord and the Bible says that God puts him in his right mind. Now we do know this. We know the target of the enemy is most definitely your mind. Now, with that said, let me, put a, let me put a few scriptures up on the screen today if I could. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4? 
The Bible says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now again, uh, a lot of times we just stand back and we think, what's going on? Why is our society so so insane? I mean, what's going on? I mean, the things that mom and daddy taught us years ago, uh, we're going completely against those things now. And it's like nobody knows which direction to go and nobody knows what to do. And, uh, and sometimes we just step back and we listen to Hollywood and we shouldn't. And we listen to CNN and we probably shouldn't. And we listen to Fox News and we probably shouldn't. And sometimes we're thinking, man, what in the world is going on? And listen, what you see on that screen is what's going on in 2021. The God of this world, the devil, Satan, has blinded the minds of people all across this world. Romans chapter 7, verse number 23. Paul said, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. By the way, this is exactly why the Spirit of God challenges the child of God to have a transformed mind. We're not to, listen, our mind is not to be the mind of the world. Our mind is to be, our mindset's to be different. You say, preacher, you're weird. No, I'm not weird. I'm right. It's that this, it's that this world has gotten so messed up. And they are expecting the world to just fall in line and to adopt what the world is preaching and what the world is teaching. And by the way, thank God that there are still some churches, there are still some church folk, and there are still some preachers that are not walking in cadence to the world who have said, listen, I don't care what y'all say, we're going to preach the word of God. Look what God says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye what? But be ye transformed. A transformation. Hey, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? That's right. Don't listen. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the roof fell today. Because I promise you one thing. I don't know a lot, but I know this. He is the prince and the power of the air. And I can promise you that Satan does not want this message to go out today. And we'll preach it with a microphone or without. Transformed. Have you ever seen a caterpillar get transformed into a butterfly? You ever seen a caterpillar build a cocoon on a tree or a plant and it stayed in there for some time and after a while that cocoon began to open up and that, that beautiful butterfly came out. He was completely transformed in a whole, uh, into a whole different creature. And that's what the Bible's talking about there, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How about Ephesians chapter four, verse number 23, and be renewed. Uh, that word renewed is the idea of remodel, remodel. If you've ever remodeled your home or remodeled your bedroom or whatever it may be. That's what that's talking about. You took out the old. You put in the new. You tore out the old carpet. You put in the new carpet. You tore out the old paneling. You put in the new drywall. You tore out the old lighting, the old wiring, and you put in new wiring, and you put in new lighting. That's what it's talking about. And be renewed. Be remodeled in the spirit of your mind. I don't have this on your screen, but God reminded me of this first last night as I was going home from the church. Romans 8, 7 our Bible says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, I believe one of the highlights of the story that we read in Mark chapter 5 is that the Bible implies that this man of Gadara, after meeting Jesus, is now in his right mind. That's what it said, isn't it? He was in his right mind. Mind, but there's another implication. It also implies this that prior to meeting Christ, he was in his wrong mind. And I believe the Bible shows us some things here that are attributable to somebody being in their wrong mind. Now, I don't think these things are going to preach well, but I'm going to give them to you because I think. 
I think there are things that we need to hear. How about this? Number one, some things that are attributable to being in a wrong state of mind. The first one is a preoccupation with death. You know what's really interesting about the scripture we read today? Three times. And this Bible is a Bible of no accidents. And three times, Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, points out three times this man's living in the tombs. You can look with me if you want to. How about Mark chapter 5, verse number 2? And when, he, and when he, talking about Jesus, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Look at verse number three. The Bible says about this man who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. Look at verse number five. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs. Now, Someone said, well, well, well uh, you know, preacher, that's the only place that, that maybe since he was demon-possessed and he was a lunatic, maybe that's the only place that he could live. You know, one of the things as you travel across the country of Israel, one of the things that you see is that Israel is the land of caves. They're everywhere. Uh, it's so different from, from our uh, geography, I guess you'd call it, uh, here in America, and, uh, and big tall mountains in Egypt, and a lot of desert, and a lot of sand, a lot of, a lot of rocks, a lot, a lot of rocks. And, but, but one of the things is you're just going down the, the, uh, the highway, sometimes close to major cities, you'll see cave after cave after cave uh, that are in the mountains and in the hills. And, uh, and so we know that this man, had he wanted to, this man could have found shelter elsewhere. But here's my point. But he consciously chose to dwell around the cemetery. He consciously chose to dwell around the cemetery. Now, why? He's in his wrong mind. He's not in his right mind. And because he's not in his right mind, he's hanging around the tombs. He's hanging around the graveyard. I don't know very many people who love to hang around the cemetery. We visit it occasionally to put flowers at a grave or to honor a loved one or something like that. But I don't know too many people who just like to hang around the cemetery. Now, I'm going to make a statement this morning. And here's the statement. Did you know this morning that an obsession with skulls and skeletons and grim reapers and death and extremely violent video games and violent movies and suicide are not indicative of someone walking in the spirit of God? In fact, being focused on darkness and being focused on death, I, again, not, not, not trying to be controversial this morning. I'm just trying to preach what I believe the Bible teaches here. But being focused on darkness and death is not natural for those who have passed from death into life. Amen. When you have Christ living inside of you and the Holy Spirit welling up inside of you, you're not going to be concerned and consumed with skulls and death and grim reapers and sickles and chopping people's heads off and chopping arms off and legs off. And I mean, man, I love it. I love it. I want it everywhere. I want to put it on my truck. I want to put it on my car. I want to put it all over the room. I want to put posters up in my bedroom. Now, again, I know uh, this, is, this is pretty, pretty pointy this morning, but... But, but understand something. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 5 says this. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. If you're a children of light, those kind of things ought to be sort of off balance for you. Man, I'm not, I'm not concerned about death. Hallelujah. I've got life. <laughs> And I not only have life, but with Jesus, I have life more abundant, the Bible says. And I thought about this. I thought, Lord, is there an Old Testament illustration that goes with this New Testament truth? That preoccupation with death. I believe there is. You don't have to turn over there. I'll just give you the reference. You can write it down if you want to. In 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 22, we find a very interesting story. King David has got a burden to build a house for God. For all these years and years, it's been at a tent, a tabernacle. It's been covered with animal skins. 
And David, uh, David gets a burden and David says, Lord, I want to build you a temple. I want to build you a house where we can do the sacrifice and where we can enjoy the Shekinah glory. And, and God likes that idea. But here's the thing. Did you know in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter number 22, the Bible says that God came to David and said, David, I'm going to let you get all the materials together, but I'm not going to let you build it. Your son will build it. Solomon will build it. As much as you want to, I'm not going to let you build it. Why? I'll tell you why. Because God said to David, David, you've been a man of blood. You've been a man for all these years that's been accustomed to death, fighting and warring and killing people. By the way, sometimes on purpose. But again, my point being this, that when you're not in your right mind, there's a preoccupation with death. We got to hurry, good gracious. But this is so important. Not only a preoccupation with death, but when you're wrong, in your wrong mind, there is a preferring of solitude. Now look at Mark chapter five, verse number five again. Mark five, verse five. The Bible says, and always, and always, night and day, he, who's the he? That's the guy that was in his wrong mind. He who was in his wrong mind, look at this, was in the mountains and in the tombs. Now, Calvary, you know what that implies? It implies that this man was away from everybody. He's, he's purposely removing himself from society. He's in the mountains. He's in the tombs. He's away from society. He's away from people. Did you know this morning that saved children of God need to push themselves to be with other saved children of God? Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Somebody says, preacher, I'm just not built like that. I don't like to be around people. I get it. I get it. But I'm going to tell you something. By the grace of God, you ought to fight that with everything you've got. You say, Pastor, your opinion, it's not my opinion, it's God's opinion. Did you know the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. In other words, the closer we get to the return of the Lord and, and the worse this world gets, the more important it becomes for us as God's children to meet together for fellowship. So important. First John chapter three, verse number 14 says it like this. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. I'm gonna let that simmer. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Perfect brethren? Oh no. There's not any. We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. But it doesn't stop there. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You say, I'd come, but I'll tell you one thing. I can't stand so-and-so. Well, as lovingly as I know how to say this, it's time to get it right. You say, preacher, so-and-so did something. Okay, so-and-so did something. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. He that hateth his brother, the Bible says you're in darkness. I mean, it's either in the Bible or it's not in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, I guess we better preach it. And so if you know someone that says, well, I'll tell you one thing, I'd never darken the door of a church because I hate so-and-so and I hate so-and-so and I hate preacher so-and-so and, -so and uh, I can't stand their guts. I'm gonna tell you something, I'm gonna tell you something, my dear friend, that I would check up about your salvation experience. You say nothing but a bunch of hypocrites at Calvary Baptist Church. Well, come on, one more won't matter. 
Just come on. If it ain't ruined so far, maybe you won't ruin it. By the way, be careful about, be careful about getting that place in your life where you believe that everybody else in the whole world's affairs except you. Somebody said, walking is dull, I must sadly own. Walking is dull if one walks alone. No one to talk with of what one sees, flowers and meadows and birds and trees. Walking is fine if a comrade true, loving and eager goes with you. Marry the chat and marry the song as the comrade spirits trudge along. The miles are short and the views are fair and sweet and cool in the magic air. And wondrous charm is the brotherly weather as you and your comrade walk together. I'm going to get off this point, but I'm having a tough time getting off of it. Hey, can I just be real transparent just for a moment? I have pastored this church now, by the way, and privileged to do so for 30 years. If you think for a half of a second that people haven't said hurtful things to this pastor and to this little redhead, if you believe that, man, I've got some beautiful oceanfront property to sell you in Kansas. I mean, honestly, you're going to love it. You can, go, you can go surf fishing. It's awesome, man. You'll love it. But you know what I determined years ago? I determined this, that this thing's not about me. And I'll be switched if I'm going to go through the rest of my life all mad and all sideways with God and indifferent because somebody said something, somebody, you know, somebody said something hurtful, somebody didn't shake my hand. Well, wah, wah, wah. Let's call the ambulance. Because somebody didn't shake your hand or somebody didn't shake my hand or somebody didn't say that was a good sermon preacher or uh, I, I'm just telling you, man, I don't, I don't know about y'all. I'm not going through life like that. I'm not going to live my life like Life's way too short. I don't know how much time I've got with that little red hand right there, but I know this. As long as I've got it, we're going to enjoy life. We're going to get the gusto out of life. I'm going to love this church and love this church family. And uh, why? Because I know that's what God wants me to do. But if you're in your wrong mind, I ain't coming. In fact, I ain't going anywhere. I just want to be by myself. I don't want to be around anybody. That's where he was. Bible says he was daily in the mountains and in the tombs. Man, how in the world does this clock go so fast? I'll preach these last three quick. Number three, when a man is in his wrong mind, we see something else. We see number three, a pleading for attention. Now look at Mark 5, verse number five again. The Bible says, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. Look at the next word. I've got to highlight it. It's the word crying he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying. It's the Greek word. <laughs> I'm not making this up, church. It is the Greek word, crazo. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, Brother Mike. I mean, honestly, crazo. What's wrong with that guy? He's crazo. That's what's wrong with him. <laughs> crying, and, the, and, and this is what it means. It means this. It means to croak, but not like a frog. It means to croak as a raven. It means to scream, to shriek, to cry out. In other words, what the Bible's telling us about this man before he met the Lord is that he was desperate for people to notice him, to pay attention to him. Life was all about him. <laughs> and when people would, and Gadara's, Gadara's beautiful. Right there on the hillside, right there, the Sea of Galilee in the backdrop. And here was a little family that would come over to maybe picnic or something there in Gadara. And, uh, and this man would run out of the tombs and he would shriek and he would cry like a raven and he would scare them away. And, uh, and you know, it was all about him. Notice me. Focus on me. We're seeing this lived out. People will literally do anything to be noticed. 
No, don't, Brother, Brother Brian, last week, don't fall out with me right here. Well, don't fall out with me now, folks. Some of our people who came to this church and got saved, they had tattoos before they ever came here. I knew it and they knew it. They told me. But I tell you what we are seeing. You got a tattoo between you and the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what we're seeing. We're seeing people who are tattooing everything. From feet to head. You know what that is? Notice me. Look at me. Look at me. It's all about me. I want you to look at me. Don't look at her. Don't look at him. I want you to look at me. It's all about me. I'm talking about people are, are, people are piercing their body where it was never meant to be pierced. I'm talking about cross-dressing. I'm talking about sex changes. I'm talking about harming themselves. Again, now I want you to understand something. I know this is, boy, this is, uh, I'm, I'm preaching some thin ice stuff this morning. And so y'all pray for your pastor today. But I believe it's, but I believe it's worth preaching. Did you know when you have a right mind, when you have a right mind, it becomes less and less about you and more and more about him. John chapter 3, verse 30 says it like this. He must increase, but I must decrease. Did you know when self, when self is your main concern, you can rest assured you're not walking in the Spirit, and I'm not walking in the Spirit. When self is your main concern, you're walking in the flesh. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says it like this. Know, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And the Bible gives us a long list of what the last days are going to look like. Did you know that number one on the list is this? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. It's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about my feelings. It's somebody didn't speak to me. Somebody didn't do this for me. Somebody didn't treat me right. Me, me, I, I, self, self, self. Again, when you begin to walk in the spirit of God, it becomes less and less about you and it becomes more and more about him. Did you know, and I'm often, as, as a pastor, I'm often in the funeral home. It's just a sort of a, comes with the, with the job. Brother Ricky, this has never happened. Of course, I've never done it. But I could walk into that funeral parlor. That corpse is laying in the casket. And I could go over to that corpse in the casket and I could say, you know, <laughs> boy, you one ugly, you one ugly person, I'm telling you. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. I mean, you know, really. I mean, really. You're ugly. Ugly. I could, I could say all kind of hurtful, painful things about that corpse. And did you know that corpse would not get a bit mad? He wouldn't rise up and rebuke me or curse me or use profane language. Well, you say, preacher, of course he wouldn't. That's right. You know why? He's dead. Did you know the Bible says that as Christians that we're to die on a daily basis? 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul, the apostle, one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, Paul said, I die daily. Romans 6, 6, the Bible says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now again, what's, what, what's your point, Pastor? My point is, is the more you fall in love with Jesus and the more you get filled with the Spirit of God, the less it becomes about you and you're not pleading for attention for you, you're pleading for attention for him. 
I don't want you to notice me. I don't even want you to notice my voice as I sing. I don't want you to notice my skills as I play. I don't want you to notice what I'm doing. I want you to notice him. It's all about him. I want the focus to be on him. But someone who's in their wrong mind, they're always wanting more and more attention. Everybody tracking with me today? All right, we're, we're, we're about done. Reels were run away. I'll just hit this one and go to the last point. We see something else here of someone who's in their wrong mind. Mark 5, verse 5, are you there? The Bible says, verse 5, and always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying, look at this, and cutting himself with stones. Did you know if you're here this morning, I hope there's not anybody here this morning, maybe somebody watching by way of live stream. If you're thinking about hurting yourself or hurting others, you're not in your right mind. You say, preacher, where do you get off? Who do you think you are? Can I tell you who I am? I am a zero with the ring rubbed out. But he is everything. And you see, I didn't write the mail. I just deliver it. I'm just the mailman. That's all that I am. And here was a man who was in his wrong state of mind. And the Bible says that he was constantly hurting himself. These people that constantly threaten that if you don't do something they won't done or you don't jump through this hoop or they're, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to hurt myself. Let me tell you what's going on there. They're not in their right mind. If you're thinking about hurting yourself or hurting someone else, man, don't come and try to tell me, well, I'm saved and walking in the Spirit. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Because if you're walking in the Spirit of God, I'll promise you, you won't be concerned about hurting you or anybody else. Interesting. Man, God just gave me this in the study a few minutes ago. If, if you're here this morning and you're thinking about hurting yourself, whether it's cutting yourself or self-mutilation or suicide, I want you to understand something. And I say this lovingly as I know how to say it. If you're having thoughts like that, I promise you something. You are being led of Satan because that's where he dwells so he meets Jesus in the wilderness he tempts him for 40 days y'all remember the story then the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 he taketh Jesus he taketh him up to a high pinnacle of the temple and then he says to Jesus cast thyself down if you be the son of God cast thyself down jump jump that's how Satan works, isn't it? And he comes and he says, you need to hurt yourself. You need to hurt someone else. You need to hurt them by your words or hurt them by your actions. And so a preoccupation with death, a preferring of solitude, a practice of self-injury, a pleading for attention, we're done. Number five, these are things that are attributable to someone that's not in their right mind. Number five, a pattern of sexual impurity. Now, we didn't read this, but, and you don't even have to go there. But in Luke chapter 8, in Luke chapter 8, if you're taking notes, you can write it down. In Luke chapter 8, Luke, Dr. Luke gives us the, the same story. But Dr. Luke explains it a little further and adds some things to it in Luke chapter 8. And one of the things that Luke says in Luke chapter 8, verse number 27 is this. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. Listen to this. And wear no clothes. And so, someone said it like this. This was, a, this, was a nude, this was a nude dude. Amen. That was pretty rude. And our Bible says that he wore no clothes. People that are not in their right mind often are prone to immodesty and often in a provocative way. Now, we're done. We gotta be done. But sexual immorality should not, capitalize, N-O-T, should not be the lifestyle of a converted child of God. You say, preacher, you believe somebody can fall? I do. But it shouldn't be your lifestyle. If it's your lifestyle, there's a problem. I love this. Someone said, let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. The story is told of a learned professor who went to visit an old man who was famous for his wisdom. 
The wise man graciously welcomed the professor into his home and offered him his seat on a cushion. No sooner had the professor sat down than he launched into a long, wordy account of his own accomplishments, his own knowledge, his own theories and opinions. The wise man listened quietly for a while and then asked politely, would you like some tea? The professor nodded, smiled, and kept right on talking. The man handed him a teacup and began pouring tea from a large pot. The tea rose to the brim of the cup, but the man kept on pouring while the professor kept on talking. Finally, the professor noticed what was going on. He leaped to his feet and demanded, what are you doing? Can't you see that the cup is overflowing? To which the wise man replied, this cup is like your mind. It can't take in anything new because it's already full. Now, I don't know everything, but I do know this. The enemy's desire is to fill your mind and to fill my mind with so much garbage that we can't get into our mind what needs to be in there. And that's the word of God. And we may get into this tonight, but I read this this week. You and the human mind can only process two to three thoughts at a time. And so the, devil, the devil's goal is to just infiltrate our mind. Worry, depression, discouragement, lust, hard feelings, bitterness. Man, it could be tons of things, but the, but the devil wants to put those things in our mind so the Lord can't put into our mind what he wants to put in there. Now, we're done. Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Did you know that whatever's in here is eventually gonna come out? And so you say, Pastor, why in the world are you taking all this time to preach on the mind because the mind is eventually gonna make its way to the outside? Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I've tried to do what I think you wanted me to do. And so Lord, I pray you'll bring the increase from it. Lord, help us to guard our minds. Lord, maybe there's, uh, and I know that some of these things that I'm preaching, 20 years ago, these things didn't seem foreign. But now, in 2021, boy, these things, Lord, they seem like extreme. Father, I pray that you'd help us to guard our minds. Maybe there's someone here today and the devil has been working in their life and working in their mind. Maybe there's someone here today and Lord, their mind is filled with discouragement. God, maybe we're preaching to someone today who, who is... Uh, battling with depression. God, it's very possible that I'm preaching to a man or a young man that's battling with lust. Lord, the enemy is trying to infiltrate their mind. He's trying to, to pour things into their mind. Lord, it's someone here today, maybe their mind is filled with bitterness. Someone hurt them a long time ago and they never got over it. They never forgave and they never forgot. And Lord, their mind is so filled with bitterness. God, could you give somebody deliverance today? Lord, could you free someone's mind today where the Spirit of God can start pouring, Lord, into their thought processes what you want to say? And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many are here today would say, Brother Pope, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved and going to heaven when I die. If you can honestly say that with, with heads bowed, would you just slip your hand up this morning and say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. That's wonderful. That's great. Great, great. Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. But let me ask you this one, though. Is there one anywhere today would say, Pastor, if I died 
I'm not, a, I'm not 100% sure that I'd go to heaven. I want to go. I so want to go, but I'm just not sure about it. And I want you to pray for me. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. I'm not going to come back and get you. I just want to pray for you. You'd slip your hand up right now. You'd say, preacher, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure. Bless your heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there another? Preacher, I want to go, but I'm just not, I'm not a thousand percent sure. I want you to pray for me. Is there another right now? Come on, be honest. Be honest. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Preacher, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. All right, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but I do want to ask this. I wonder how many today are here and you'd say, Pastor, I am bothered in my mind. I'm so bothered in my mind. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but in your spirit, would you have to raise your hand right now? Pastor, the devil has been bombarding me with discouragement. Lord, he's, he's tried to get me depressed. I don't know what to do. Preacher, sometimes I feel like I can't even make it another day. The devil, the devil is so working on me. I really feel like God's speaking to some hearts right now. If you're raising your hand in your spirit right now, I'm going to ask you to do something. In just a moment, when we stand, I'm going to ask you to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and find a place. If you'd like someone to pray with you, they'll pray with you. But if not, you just come find a place. Nobody has to pray with you. But I'm going to ask you to come today, and I'm going to, I want you to pray something like this. Oh, God, put a hedge around my mind. God, protect my mind. Maybe somebody need to come today and say, Lord, cleanse my mind. Cleanse it. I put some things in this computer I shouldn't have. Lord, cleanse my mind. I want to encourage you to come. Would you stand with us all over the house? Our personal workers are coming at this time. Father, I sure pray that you'll bless now. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every heart. I pray for these that have raised their hands about salvation. Lord, they don't know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. They want to go to heaven, but they're not sure. God, would you right now, supernaturally, would you give them courage to take that first step and to come down to this altar and somebody's going to be here to, to greet them with a Bible. And we won't make them give a speech. We won't make them do anything like that. We just like to take the Word of God and show them how they can be born again. And then, Lord, I pray that Christians will come and gather around this old-fashioned altar and say, oh, God, give me, give me a right mind. God, give me a right mind. My mind's not been in the right place. God, give me a right mind. Put a hedge around my mind. Father, have your way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I want you to come. Come on, right now. If God's dealing with your heart, if you were raising your hand in your spirit, maybe you didn't raise it physically, but you were raising your hand in your spirit, I want you to come right now. That's right. That's right. I want you to come. Come on. Now's a great time to move. We've got some folks up here in the front. That's right. We've got some personal workers up here in the front. They're waiting. They'd like to just pray with you or give you a Bible verse. They want to try to help you this morning. They want to help you. That's right. Folks are coming. What about it? Would you come? Would you come? That's right. Folks are coming. Don't you walk out of here with a mind that's bound. Don't you walk out of here discouraged, depressed. Don't walk out of here in bondage. That's right. Oh, yes.